Would you please open uh, with, with me to the book of 3 John? Yes, 3 John. <clears throat> Was it two weeks ago that we finished 1 John? Seems like an eon. I know. One, and last week we finished 2 John. 2 John, that was amazing. And today we're going to be going through the 15 verses of 3 John. Real quickly, I'm not going to give a much historical background, just a couple of lines here because it's similar to the other ones. But uh, basically, 3 John was written by the Apostle John. Again, most likely he's, he's ancient, he's old. He's probably, uh, if any of you are ancient or old, you understand. Uh, he's probably 90. You know what I mean? He's 90. He's, he's somewhere around there, people think. He's in the city of Ephesus, most likely. Uh, he's, this is around 50 or 60 years after, after the death of Christ. And so a lot of history has happened again. And by this time, John's probably the last of the remaining apostles. He's the last of them. All the rest have been martyred. Paul's long gone. Everybody's gone. Peter's been uh, killed in, in Rome and so John's the last remaining kind of uh, apostle who actually walked with Jesus, saw Jesus. He's got disciples with him, um, and um, he's, uh, he's looking out for the church, the church that the Lord gave him all those years earlier, 50 or 60 years earlier. He's still concerned with individuals in the church. He's still concerned with churches at large. He's concerned with eldership, leadership. He's concerned with people walking in love. He's concerned when things go wrong and people who are abusing their authority, and people who are neglecting their, their duties before God. He's just, he's still going at it, faithful all the way to the grave. And because this letter is only 15 verses, we're going to go ahead and read it in its entirety, and then we'll go back and, and pull out some, some nuggets there. So let's just start in verse 1. <clears throat> Third John, verse 1. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Verse 10, so if I come, I will bring, this up, uh, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to, put in, want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth, uh, from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Verse 13 I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. And peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Awesome letter from the Apostle John. Yeah, he, and, and this is John writing here. He, is, he identifies himself the elder again. Um, I think he's not necessarily writing as, 
as as like, hey, I'm old. Here here it is. As you know, but in 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 those cultures, by the way, being old, you actually gained uh, status. You gained um, you know respect as you got older. Our culture is so upside down. It worships youth, which is ridiculous because. Was we, you know, think of yourself when you're young. You realize you don't, you didn't know that much. I mean, there's a lot of great things about youth, um, but there's something to be said with a seasoned person who's lived a lot of life. They gain a lot of wisdom, and and there's there is a good saying: respect your elders, right? Um, and so John is is an elder. So I don't think he's talking about necessarily his age, although you can't separate that from. But he is the elder, the last remaining apostle, shepherd over the church. And I think that's what he's writing to because he's going to be correcting this guy named Diotrephes, who's kind of gone off the rails, who's a pastor. But similar to 2 John, the apostle identifies himself as the elder, and uh, John's writing to a man named Gaius, and uh, whom we're going to learn more about in the following verses. And as John did in, in the other Bible, he lets Gaius know right off the bat that he loved him. He calls him beloved, and he says, I love you, and he says, I love you in the truth. And that's our love as believers, is we have a unifying truth, not a nebulous type of weird truth, but the truth concerning the Son of God. We, that's what binds us together, a love for the Lord. And so John continues with his introduction to Gaius in verses 2 through 4, where John says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be good in health as it goes with your soul. Oh, boy, that's a great one, isn't it? John starts out by saying, man, I, I hope that your body is doing as well as your spirit is. That's pretty cool, huh? Now, how many of you, if we said that, like, you'd, you'd be dead? You'd be on life support? Like, anybody else? <laughs> Look at that and go, you know, hey, I hope your, your body's as great as, as, as your spiritual life. Uh, well, then uh, we've got issues. But here's the thing that I, that I was looking at here is that John loves, loves Gaius, and he doesn't just love his spiritual condition. He loves, he cares enough to care about how he's actually doing physically. Now, you have to remember they're dealing with a lot of Gnosticism, which puts emphasis on the spiritual and not on the physical. And this is why John in 1 John says, you know, hey, you say you love God, but you see your brother in need and you don't actually physically help them out. The love of God is in, not in you, you know? And so here John is practicing what he preaches. He goes, listen, I, I hear you're doing great spiritually, but I, I pray your body's doing just as great as your spirit. Now we've taken this, how many of you have heard of the health and wealth gospel and prosperity gospel, that totally abuses all of this. It says that the sign of God's blessing upon your life is that you're rich and that you have total health. And if not, somehow, somehow something's wrong with your faith. Now, while it's true that God does discipline us and he can discipline us physically, he can even bring us home early. We see that in 1 Corinthians where he's addressing those who take communion in an unworthy manner. In other words, there's, there's ongoing sin in their life that won't repent, and so God says it's time to come home. Um, we see that. But what we can often do in our theology is, is we can sit there and, 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 and appeal to people's flesh. And so who doesn't want to hear a gospel that says, God wants to save you to make you rich and give you a Learjet. I joke about it a lot. Uh, to make you rich and to give you, in your, because you're his king's kid, there's nothing's off the table. You just need to have enough faith and therefore, God's going to make your bank account big, and he's going to make your, your life easy, and your health's all going to come together. And, and if somehow that's not happening, guess what the answer to that is? You need to have more faith. And guess what the greatest way you can show your faith is to those guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, hand over some money. Oh, it's the seed faith. So you get into this weird stuff. 
uh, that's, just, that's just nonsense. We know there's a lot of suffering in this life. A lot of the, the New Testament scriptures are about suffering and continuing and perseverance in difficult times. You know, um, it's, it's okay to care for one another's physical needs. I think that's important, that we need to reach out to one another and help one another in those things. It's a sign of practical love. We see that in Timothy, uh, when Paul's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, right? And he says, he says to Timothy 5.23, he says, hey, don't, don't just drink water. You've been drinking water, Timothy, but guess what's wrong with you? Your stomach's hurting. Drink a little wine with that. Now, you, this is not an advertisement for, for spirits here. This is, my guess is there's probably bacteria in the water, right? Or something funky in the water. And, and a little alcohol that was mixed into the water helped, helped kill some of that stuff. So I think, you know, he's saying, hey, take a little wine. And also might have caused, might have been used as a little bit of a pain, a painkiller for his stomach. So there's just a practical need. And he's saying, listen, I care about you, but here's, here's something you can practically do. I care about your body as well. You know, and, 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 I, I, and Jesus, when, when his disciples were tired in, in Matthew 23, 11, he, he pulled them aside and said, you know, hey, come, come with me, basically. Come, come, come. You're, you're totally weary. Remember when he sent them out a couple times? And uh, he sent them out by twos, and they, and they came back, and they were weary and tired. He started sharing everything that was, that was going on in their life. But he says, he noticed that they were weary and tired. He says, come away with me to a quiet place and rest. Jesus cared about their physical state as well. You know, and so those are, those are good examples there. But as, as believers who love one another in truth, we, we, we should be concerned not only for people's spiritual well-being, but for their physical. Now let me ask you, do we have more concern for people's spiritual well-being or people's physical well-being? I'm not trying to make one is a fight. Um. I don't know. I think we tend to overemphasize the physical. Anybody else? Yeah. So I don't think that's our problem. <laughs> so I think, you know, um, I think we need to be praying for one another spiritually. We, I think this church does such a good job at taking each other, care of each other in their physical needs and all those things. Continue to do that. That's God's working in and through you. But you know, let's let's pray for one another spiritually as well. That that maybe our our uh, our spirits would would be more healthy. I pray that for me too. I know you guys know that I've I've been suffering for years physically. You know, some of you don't. Um, but it's you know, pray for my spirit. I'd be walking tight with the Lord. That's what I need ultimately. Yeah, the body's there, but guess what the trajectory is? Um, yeah, it's gonna wear out. Um, but pray that the spirit would be there. I love that. I just wanted to put that in there, just focus on that for a second. So John was praying for guys, his physical health would be like his spiritual health, and we find out why, verse 3. He says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, and indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my, my children walking in the truth. This leads me to think that Gaius somehow was, was attached to John. He calls him beloved a lot. And, and, and calls him my children. So he might have been a disciple of John in some way or, or, or came to the Lord through John and his ministry. That, that probably might have been there. But again, similar to Second John, John emphasized walking in the truth. John was greatly rejoicing because Gaius was walking in the truth. What does walking in the truth mean? 
It means that Gaius was walking in obedience to the Lord, and that obedience was evidenced through Gaius's life. In particular, and this is important because we were focusing in on this point, is how his love was manifested. How was it manifested? It was for his fellow brothers and sisters. It was manifested particularly um, in God's call upon Gaius's life in the area of hospitality. It's amazing that Gaius was a hospitable believer towards other believers who were coming through the city where he lived. That's how he showed his love and obedience to the Lord. And we're all called to be hospitable. Let's not, you know, sit there and go, don't, you know, that's not my gift. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But we're all called to be hospitable, but, but um, this was his gifting from the Lord. He excelled in this. Uh, the brothers in verse 3, they, they had experienced firsthand the love of Christ through the hospitality of Gaius as they traveled through. And that's what John's saying. Man, I heard the people that were staying with you. They came to me and they, talked, they told me about what was going on in your life and how you were walking after the Lord and, and how much you loved those men and women who came through, possibly women. And, and, and they came to John, probably in Ephesus, and, and they're just downloading how Gaius loved them, housed them, equipped them, sent them on their way, and did everything that this guy was gifted to do, just poured out into their life. Amazing. And apparently this was Gaius' gifting by the Lord to edify and bless the church. You know, there were believers, many of whom were pastors and evangelists who had, who, had, who had been with the apostles, who had heard their doctrine and were sent out by the churches to go and spread the gospel in the Gentile world. It wasn't just the apostles at this point. There were others being sent out to go and to minister to churches and go all, the, all, the, all over the place. And, and that's why in 1 John, they're going, hey, listen, there's a lot of wolves among these guys. You got to be careful. There's, so there's warnings there. 2 John People were housing people not knowing that they were wolves because they were just exercising love, not discernment. And now in 3 John, we've got a different situation because Gaius is actually doing the right thing, housing the right people, but you've got opposition to that in the church leadership, which is, which is different. But there were those believers, there were pastors and evangelists and prophets traveling between churches, and Gaius was the guy when they got to town who would just take them in and say, come stay with me. Come stay with me. Some of you are like that. It's amazing. I think it's, it's a gift that, you know, I need to grow in personally. It's like, it's just foreign to me in that way in my heart and how I've grown up. But some of you can relate to that. And, and the other side of you are going like, I couldn't live any other way. <laughs> that's, that's how I am. And, and God's blessed you in that. And so it's interesting that in 2 John, it deals with a church that's not very discerning in this area. And they were being taken care of. We saw that. But Gaius is being commended now for his hospitality in this area. He's commended towards the brothers. And if we look at verse 5, he says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do. Man, this is a faithful thing you're doing. In all your efforts for these brothers, and guess what? Strangers as they are. 
who testify to your love before the entire church. So wherever John is, at Ephesus or wherever he is, these people have come through, they're talking to them. And not only are they testifying to John in the leadership, they're standing before the church and saying, listen to what God has done. Listen to Gaius and everything. Uh, Look at Gaius and all that he's done and how hospitable he's been. And he's been faithful. uh, look, Look at this. John says it's a faithful thing you do. Faithful meaning that Gaius was serving the Lord faithfully through his gift. How many of you kind of look at, at Pastor Matt and you go, oh man, I'm not a teacher, so therefore. Or I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. I'm not, I'm not a missionary on the mission field. Or gosh, you know, I just can't put the words together, you know, as masterfully as Matt does every Sunday. He never mumbles or gets words backwards or anything, you know. As modest as Matt, yeah, or humble. Um, all those great qualities, this theoretical person they met. Praise God. Because he's gifted you in the body of Christ uniquely. He's given something to, for you to be responsible with that others can't do or do differently as a different gifting. He's given you a gift. I think it's awesome. It's interesting here. He was gifted in hospitality. You know, all of us are called to know the gospel. All of us are called to evangelize. We're all called to share the gospel. We can't get around that. We're all called to show mercy. We're all called um, to teach the gospel to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, right? We're all called to these things. But not all of us are pastors and evangelists and, and missionaries and all these mouthpieces in the church. Paul makes this really pointed. He says, listen, you got a few very visible people, but that's not the whole body. Yay for the person who's out there doing that. And, and we don't want to undermine, you know, the, the, the blessed teachers that we all have been under that teach us the word of God or have evangelized and brought us to Christ or all these types of things. Man, they're a gift to the body of Christ, but that's not the whole body. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, basically, and says, listen, don't be sitting there complaining that you're not a mouthpiece when he's made you something else. Lean into what God has made you as the Spirit has gifted you according to who he's made you in Christ. Lean into it. You know, you're going to find yourself in, 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 and by the way, if you're wondering about gifting, I just want to talk about it for a second. You're going to find yourself in, in one of two major categories. I'm, I'm oversimplifying this. Major categories. As you come to Christ, you're going to find a propensity for gifting in one of two major categories. There's crossover. Yes, all this stuff. I'm just saying one of two. You're either going to have a speaking gift or a serving gift. A speaking gift or a serving gift. Really just simple. That just seems to be. Now, some have both of these things and it mixes over. I'm not getting into that right now. But you're going to find yourself in one of those categories, a speaking gift. Those who are gifted by God primarily to edify the church through words. Correct? Words. So, so through teaching or for preaching or evangelism or exhortation or encouragement. You're going to find yourself maybe in that area of the church, but not all of those gifted with speaking gifts are even sent out. Does that make sense? 
not, even, not all of the people who are gifted in that way are pastors or teachers or apostles or traveling around doing that stuff. A lot of people are at home, raising godly kids at the workplace, coming in on a Sunday morning earlier, teaching a Bible school, uh, a Bible, uh, Bible class, or down the Christian Aid Center. There's just different ways that God uses that. But the other gifting, the category you might find yourself in are the serving gifts, those who support the spread of the gospel, who actually make it so those things can actually happen. And I'm blessed every single week as a more of a talker, right? The mouth gift by all the actual doing gifts around the people who come in early and, and set up things and, and blow off the, you know, the leaves everywhere and set the chairs up and make sure it's too hot or too cold in here. And all the things that happen in here, they're constantly fighting to me, you know, you know, we, we often only get on the, uh, we only know that they're there when, when something goes, diff- goes wrong, right? It's like, oh, the sound went crazy. It's like, oh, it's that sound person again. It's like they're constantly like 99% of the time, they're like doing crazy stuff behind the scenes and, and going crazy and making sure, you know, it's, we're in the between seasons with the hot or cold. They're fighting to make sure you're okay and trying to gauge everybody's deal. Why? Because they don't want you to be distracted. They just want you to listen to the word and sit here and be blessed and they come in the door and they greet you and, and all the other things and the meals throughout the week and all the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Just amazing part of the body of Christ, that serving gift. And boy, they, you know, put them behind a pulpit and they will shrink and run away. Take the person behind the pulpit, put them in their place. What do I do? I'm lost. We need each other. <laughs> oh man, because guess who? There's only one head in the church. Guess who that is? Jesus Christ. And he's the one who directs the body and the mouth. He's the one who directs all. And we find our purpose in him. Second Peter puts it this, uh, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. He says this, as each has received a gift, this is 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, as each has received a gift, who's received a gift? Each, as each has received a gift, what are you supposed to do? Use it to serve one another. That's your calling from the Lord. You have a gift. Don't put it under a bushel. Right? Let it shine. Pretty simple stuff there. And why? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace It's the 31 flavors of God's grace expressed through his body. Listen, you are God's blessing to the church. Think about your own body. Some of you are, you know, how many of you like, you know, as you get older, you get neck problems. Anybody else? You realize the value of your neck after a while. And then you start to get neuropathy in your hands. Anybody else? And you start to realize the value of feeling and touch and dexterity and all those things, but you don't realize it until it kind of, it's not working right. We take each other for granted sometimes. And you're all precious in the sight of Christ. And you all have a gift and a purpose that supports the function of the head of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we with one voice would go and be unified in in spreading the gospel. I don't do what I do apart from you. I'm connected to you totally and utterly. 
I'm, told, I'm supported by you. I'm encouraged by you. You pray for me. You give me a hard time when, when I need a hard time. All those things, we're connected. You know, and I look at that as the other parts of the body as, as we go and minister, we're connected. But he says here in 1 Peter 4.10, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You are giving God's grace to others. And he says here, the speaking gift, ready? Whoever speaks, do it as one who speaks the oracles of God. Pretty awesome. Do it with God's word, God's power. Well, what about the other people? One who serves, that's one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Right? Why? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is the body working together. This is the body working together. And this is what Gaius was doing. Gaius, with his gift of hospitality, he was bringing glory to God by supporting these men who were called to spread the gospel. And John hears of Gaius and says, man, this is a faithful thing you are doing, not just opening up your home not just that. You're actually supporting these people. You're letting them stay there. You're clothing them. You're feeding them. You are blessing them with materials as they go on their way. You're probably giving out of your own money and your own resources so they can go on to do the ministry of God, opening up your cupboards and all these things. And so some of you understand this and we'll never know what you've done because that's who you are in Christ. You're just behind the scenes. You're like, you're like part of the brain. You never, you never realize it's actually going. It's all subconscious. It's just happening all the time because that's who you are in Christ, supporting um, the, the ministry of the gospel, living out the gospel. And you're gifted by God to equip those people to preach the gospel and all those things and the missionaries to go out and you buy the Bibles and you, you, you do those things and you, you know, it's just, you help, you are sending those who are sent to go. It's an amazing thing. I marvel at it. But these men experienced the grace of God. The men who were in Gaius' house, they experienced the grace of God through Gaius. And they came to John and they testified to John and the entire church. They said, man, this guy blessed us. Man, his, he's walking with the Lord. He loves us. Oh, man, we were just so loved and taken care of. Like, all we had to do was think about where, what God had for us. We were just taken care of. That's amazing. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because this part is not emphasized much. You know, it's all usually about go preach, go witness, go do all those things. But I'm telling you, this is a, a vital function of, of the body, and it's so appreciated um, as, the, as the body benefits from it. And apparently John heard this and wrote this to Gaius. He gave it to some men, apparently some men who had just come from him. He's going to go back with some different guys. And what would happen is they didn't have an email, they didn't have phone calls and all this stuff. So you had to have a letter from an apostle or someone recognized within a church. So if, for example, you know, we sent out, let's say, uh, Marcus Quarter, he's going to go to, the, to a school somewhere. He was at, we have to write a letter from the elder board saying, this guy's on, he's on target, we love him, he's blessed, here he goes, here's a letter of recommendation call us with anything you need, any questions you have about this guy's character and all this type of stuff. And we send him on his way. And Marcus, if you're listening, we love you, man. Amen? <laughs> totally. 
They all said amen, by the way, except for, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he hand-delivered, these, these guys are coming back to Gaius, and, and, and he's got this return letter that he hands to him in person. Okay? They send, he sent people away, and, they, and some people came back, new people, hand-delivers this letter. And John says in verse 6, he says, Now with this new batch, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That kind of sounds weird, weird, doesn't it? Isn't that what he's doing? He's been hospitable, yet John says, you'll do well to send these guys on as well. For they have, come, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. We're going to come back to the previous point I made. But he says in verse 7, for they have gone out for the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. And this is important because these men are back in his, Gaius' home. John has this hand-delivered letter given to Gaius. And John lets them know what kind of men that, that, they're, that are actually being housed in his house, what kind of men they're supporting. And this is important. Firstly, they've gone out for the sake of the name. These are the kind of men that they're to be hospitable towards in the kingdom to support, okay? They've gone out for his name. This means that their motive is not their own glory, it is the glory of God. It is for his name's sake that they're doing what they're doing. They're there to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the people that Gaius was to be hospitable towards in the Lord, the ones, and, and the ones we're to support and invest in and equip and help. Men and women who are, out, who are sent out for the sake of his name, not theirs. Right? And how do you know that? Secondly, they accepted nothing from the Gentiles. Money was not their motive. Money was not their motive. Notice, he wasn't saying to Gaius, Gaius, don't support them. That wasn't what he was saying. He's saying he's go they're going to a new people group. They're going to a new place. And they're going to go there not asking for anything from, of them. Because they don't want to have mixed messages in the gospel. This is why Paul in 1 Corinthians said, hey, take up some, I've, I, well, he says basically in, in 1 Corinthians 9 and also I think maybe 11, I can't, or 2 Corinthians 11 as well. Sorry, one of those. He says, he says to him, listen, I have all these rights as, as an apostle. I have rights for you guys to take care of me. I have right to have a wife. I have right to, you know, don't muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. He lays all these verses and says, Yet I didn't do it among you. And he ta starts talking about boasting. And, he, and, and so these guys were doing the same thing. They were going into new territory, planting churches, and it wasn't those people that he was going to be pulling from. It was the sending churches and the people, the established body that was going to be supporting them. Does that make sense? Because it's so important. And so these people are hospitable towards, uh, they were, they were, Gaius was being hospitable towards them and supporting them. And he says, hey, keep it going. They're just going for the namesake and they're not out there for money. You're it. We're it. We've given them what we can to get them to where you are, but it's not like they can walk into Walmart with nothing, you know? They need help as they're going. Continue to do what you're doing. It's a good thing. And he, and, and he says there in verse 8, therefore, we ought to support people like the, we, these that we may be, what? Fellow workers in the truth. So you have those who are sent, 
And then you also have those who are sending. You have the sent and the senders working together for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the glory of God, fellow workers for the truth. We work together. Amen? That's awesome. John says we ought to support people like this. This is something that is God-glorifying. Now, it might be seem weird, and just we're, we're kind of honing in on the main point here, don't worry. It might seem that, odd that John's writing to encourage guys in this. He says, you, you would do well to support these people. Kind of sounds like he's kind of nudging them along in something he's already doing, right? It's like, why? Kind of lighten up on Gaius, right? What's going on there? Well, apparently, what was happening is there was an ungodly leader in the church. And he was threatening. And he's threatening to, well, let's just read about it. He says here in verses 9 through 10, he says, I have written something to the church, and this is John saying, listen, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So you've got this leader in the church who does not acknowledge the authority of John. That's a, that's a problem. This is a deeply needed ministry of hospitality that was supporting these workers. It was a lifeline for these guys. They didn't have any other means of support as they were going out. And there's a guy named Diotrephes, who's a pastor in a church who is, or an elder or whatever he was, he's, he's stopping it. He's stopping this, this gift from happening. No doubt the Holy Spirit here is contrasting Gaius with this guy named Diotrephes, so we can be keenly aware of our own hearts and attitudes when it comes to hospitality and supporting the ministry of the Lord in whatever areas he's placed you in. You know, we've got to be very aware that we're not hindering the work of God. Boy, I was reading this going, Lord, don't let me be a diatrophies, and if I am, like, help me, because this guy's not good. But if, if Gaius is an example of what to aspire to in supporting the gospel of being hospitable as brothers and sisters towards one another, and man, take notes of, what, of this guy named diatrophies of what not to do. First off, in verse 9, John says he likes to put himself first, right? This means that, that he has selfish ambition. That's what this guy was. He had a selfish ambition. He was a prideful guy. And anything that threatened his position, he shot down. That's kind of what happened, that threatened his position. He wanted to be first in the church. And, and I know that we know this, but... Uh, but it can never be said enough, there, there, there's only one who is to be first in the church. Some of you have the word preeminence there. You wanted to be preeminent. There's only one head of the church. Amen? It's Jesus. We say that, but may it be so. But that's his place alone. Apparently, Diotrephes had the attitude that said differently. And we all have that propensity in our hearts to be first, don't we? Whatever situation, not just in leadership in the church, but in our own homes and all, all these other things. We have the propensity to push our, our way up to the top. But Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 23, 11, he says, The greatest among you shall be what? Your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So humility, not preeminence, is to be the mark of a spiritual leader, and not only leaders, but just the body of Christ. Secondly, John says that Diotrephes did not recognize John's authority. Man, what kind of pride do you have to reject the apostle John? Like he walked with Jesus. He saw him die. I mean, you can just go down the list. He saw the miracles. He himself was doing miracles empowered. 
uh, sorry, John, we don't, re- you know, you're old school. We don't reject, we, we reject your authority. John saw the ascension. He saw the death, resurrection. He was there the whole time. He was at his baptism. Yeah. We're to be submitted to the apostles' doctrine, right? to what they taught about loving and obeying Jesus and and in leadership within the church. Those leaders, we're to be submitted to the the teachings of Scripture. That's why we teach you the Bible here. We want to be submitted to it. Not only teach it, but be submitted to it. And Diotrephes was prideful. He didn't submit to godly authority. And if we're not submitted to godly authority, we're going to be obstacles to the gospel. Because John says to Gaius regarding Diotrephes in verse 10, so if I come... I'm going to bring up what he's doing. And here's another thing he was doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. John tells guys, don't handle this. I'll take care of it. I'm aware of it. But guess what? He's talking with wicked nonsense. And so another mark of ungodly behavior and obstacles to hospitality, obstacles to the gospel in a church is gossip. Don't talk wicked nonsense. All of us. Amen? Yeah. So we're going to, move on there. And then uh, this is what uh, Diotrephes was doing with John. Sorry, I'm having to skip over stuff. I'm looking at time here. And and not not content with that, he goes on and says, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Three more things to note here about Diotrephes. He refused to welcome the brothers. These men that John sent, he refused to welcome them. Like, where do they have to go? except for the church. He refused to welcome them. This wasn't because they didn't hold the teachings of Christ like John commanded. They held the teachings of Christ. It was because they threatened his position. Do you ever feel like that? You, don't, you, you excommunicate people because they threaten your position in your family or in your job or in all these types of other things? Dangerous stuff, right? They threatened his position. As John indicates, they were a, th- a threat to his position, his preeminence within the church. Again, before we start throwing rocks at him, we have to ask ourselves, do I have that propensity too? Yeah, to exclude those brothers and sisters in Christ who are a threat to my ego? Anyways, if we let that go on our hearts, we're, we are going to be a threat to the gospel, an obstacle to the gospel. But it wasn't only that Diotrephes wouldn't welcome them. He also, what? He stopped others from welcoming them. That's the way sin works. He not only stopped he not only stopped himself, but he then went and stopped other people from doing that. He stopped other people from uh, greeting the brothers. And guess who that would have been? Gaius. And that's why John is encouraging to continue on in what God had called him to do, because there's a leader who's out of line. And John says, "No, you don't listen to that leader when they're out of line. You follow the Lord." Or if that's not a word for today. And here's the problem. He would have been, Gaius would have been in the, in the crosshairs as he was trying to show hospitality and loving these people. No doubt Diotrephes was on him. And he said, if you do that, I'm going to kick you out of the church. And that's the third thing. He was kicking people out of the church for actually supporting the ministry of the gospel. That's how evil this was getting. Isn't that bad? Diotrephes was out of control and his attempt to be in control. And so, brothers and sisters, we don't use our position, wherever, whatever it might be. Think of your own situation. You don't use your position and your power 
for ego and self. That's not what it's for. Think of Joseph. What did he do? He used it to bless nations that others would live. It's a gift to be poured out for the body, for the glory of God, for others. God's given you a gift. If he's given you the gift of leadership, use it to bless others and enable others and push them out. And yes, guard and protect doctrine. That would have been totally reasonable if someone was off their kilter and bringing in false teachers to try to shut that down. That, that's reasonable because he's an elder in the church, right? But as people are just coming in and, and needing help, it's like he has no business messing with them. So brothers and sisters, we don't want to use our power or position for ego. It's a gift to be poured out for the glory of God and the blessings of others. And listen, he was going as far as stopping fellowship in people's homes, not for biblical reasons like I mentioned. This is shepherding, like this, this shepherding movement, if you've ever heard of that. It's way overhanded. Telling people what you can eat and what you can't eat and, and how you can gather and where, when you can't gather and all that type of stuff. It's just it's overhanded. It's just too much. And if they didn't get along, guess what he did? Kicked them out of the church. They didn't do what he wanted. He kicked them out. Not because of walking in unrepentant sin, which is biblical and has a process in the Bible. But it was just a power trip. Selfish ambition. It has no place in church leadership or in the church. And John says, I'll deal with them when I get there. You just continue to do what God's called you to do. Listen, there are obstacles to you supporting the ministry of the gospel. Not, you know, I say not for me, but I don't know. I could be blind in some areas, but right now there are people telling you not to gather, not to be together, not to continue to do those things. You need to just overrule and override and listen and follow the Lord in those things. Yes, love one another, respect one another. I'm not going to do all the disclaimer stuff anymore. We all know this. Love one another and follow the Lord. Continue to follow him. And we are all going to deal with these diatrophies in our, in our lives. And we've got, to, we've got to be mindful that John's sitting here and going, listen, don't listen to that. I'll deal with it when I come. And that's what the Lord's going to do. I'll, he'll straighten this whole thing out, all of us, when he comes. But in the meantime, we're to be about the kingdom. We're to be about the gospel, church. That's what we're called to. Just minister the gospel. Love the people that are in front of you. The people that God's placed you in the middle, love them. Be hospitable to them. Encourage them. Lay, lay down your life for them. Let, look at every opportunity as an example to share the gospel. And the Lord will deal with things when he comes. But for guys, he says in verse 11, let's just read these last few verses. Beloved, don't imitate evil. Don't do what he's doing. But whoever does good is from God, and whatever does, whoever does evil, he hasn't seen God. Listen, diatrophies has got issues. He's doing evil. You just be concerned with good. Don't imitate what he's doing. Don't listen to what he says. Follow the Lord. And then verse 12, he says, Demetrius, who obviously is the one who has the letter in his hand, Who's handing it to guys? His Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. They're telling you not to receive him, but listen, everybody says this is an okay guy. He loves the Lord. Continue on. John says he's a brother. We've also added our testimony. It's all good. Verses 13 through 15. 
He says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. This is John. He just wants to be with the church. Amen? He wants to be with one another. Listen, we've had some difficult times that we've had to write with pen and ink for a little bit, and that's okay. Amen? But I think that our heart with one another is always to try to be with one another. That's, that's what he says here. So there's a time for pen and ink, and it has to happen. But I think also he longs to be with them. Why? He says, I hope to be with you soon. We'll talk face to face. There's nothing like it. I think Paul in Romans 1, maybe, he said the same thing. He says, I long to be with you guys so that I can impart some kind of spiritual gift to you. He says, because he didn't have a backspace, he, he kept going, he says, not, not, not just a one-sided thing, so that I can receive something from you too. In other words, I want to be with you because that's when the edification happens, when believers get together. That's how God called it. He says, peace to you. And he says, greet the friends. Who do you think the friends are? It's the church. Greet the friends. Code word. Greet the friends. Do it what? Each by what? Each by name. Personal relationships with one another. I love that. You know, brothers and sisters, in, in a world where diatrophies is just happening, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the way it is for a while. Um, God's gifted you gifts. He's given you grace for this time. And now more than ever, I would say now more than ever, but now we realize it more than ever, I think, we need one another. Pour out your gift. Be faithful. Use it to serve one another in the wisdom that God's given you. To the glory of God, amen? Don't let your hearts grow cold. In the end time, there's going to be lovers of self. Don't be a lover of self. Be a lover of others. Right? Amen? Resist the cold. Push out that and let the light of Christ warm the church through you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word here. Lord, we, we often like to point out the diatrophies in others. Lord, forgive us for where we've been an obstacle to the gospel. And Lord, change us. Soften our hearts towards one another, towards your kingdom. And also, Lord, I just was thinking about that we would persevere we continue to be hospitable in these times. With the light you've given us, let us open up our hearts and our lives to one another. Let's not create an echo chamber, but let's open up our hearts to one another. Protect our fellowship, Lord. Increase our love for one another. Undermine and defeat the work of the enemy and the lies, Lord, that he would seek us to believe in these days and these times. Help us to bear with one another, to esteem one another above ourselves, to really lay down our lives for one another. Show us how to do that, Lord. I pray that our homes, Lord, and our hearts, our lives, our cars, our workspace, this place would be 
we'd be as hospitable to others as we would be to you. I pray we wouldn't grieve your spirit, Lord, that as, we, as you lay something on our hearts about someone else who needs something, that we would just be hilarious givers. As insignificant as it might seem, that we'd be obedient in the small things, Lord, you've called us to do. May your gospel go forward in this time. May it be seen in our love for one another. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.